Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I want to look at this idea of being undeserving. This past Sunday, that's what we looked at is three stories from the Word of God all about someone giving undeserving love to someone else. And the first story, it was about Boaz and Ruth. Boaz showing undeserving kindness and generosity to Ruth, a woman that he had not known and was not related to him directly. And our second story of Hosea and Gomer, Hosea marries this prostitute and then the prostitute chases other lovers and abandons Hosea and then ruins her life. And then Hosea not only takes her back, but he actually woos and wins her back so that he might restore that relationship, another undeserving love. And the third story, the prodigal son, many of us know that story. The prodigal son takes his dad's inheritance, squanders it, loses every penny, ruins his life, and is unsure that he can ever return to his father. But he tries, and his father not only receives him back, but he throws a banquet for him. He wraps his arms around him and tells him how much he loves him and missed him. And and obviously, all of these stories mean something. They represent something. They're pointing to a greater love, a love of the Lord for his people, a love for Jesus to us. And that's what we want to talk about today is undeserving. And I want to look at it from this angle today. What causes someone to love the Lord a lot? Because there are some of those people. There's some of those people in our lives. They love the Lord a lot. I'm hoping we are those people. But what causes someone to love the Lord a lot versus some who only love the Lord a little bit? Well, this actually comes up in scripture. This, this exact thing is contrasted one time in scripture in a passage in Luke chapter 7 that I'm not going to teach today. I just simply want to read it and notice a couple things. And it kind of answers this question. What causes someone to love the Lord a lot versus love someone a little? And it's all on this idea of being undeserving. Listen to what this says here in Luke chapter 7 starting in verse 18. Nope, wrong. Luke chapter 7 starting in verse 36. This is what it says. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 50 denarii and the other one owed 500 denarii. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, whom he had canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. 
Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This story answers that question. What causes some to love the Lord a lot versus some who love the Lord a very little or maybe not at all? And the, the answer is very simple. Perspective. Perspective. There were two characters in this story that um, encounter Jesus at the exact same time. One is a Pharisee, a religious leader, a learned person, a person of the Jewish faith. And on the other side, you have a, a sinner. In fact, most of the people believe this is a prostitute, a woman. And she really has no religion, no footing that way. But she's the one that actually has the perspective of forgiveness. And therefore, her perspective causes her to, to worship the Lord with such heartfeltness and, and compassion and energy. And, and that on the other side, the Pharisee, he doesn't barely show any sort of kindness to Jesus and Jesus uses a parable to illustrate what's going on here and says, listen, it's kind of like this guy who had two debtors and he forgave both debtors, but one's debt was very small and the other, other person's debt was very big. And therefore, the person who has had the large debt really loved him and appreciated him. And the one who had a very small debt really didn't appreciate him and love him hardly at all. And he's saying it's perspective. The person who has the larger debt, the person who has the greater sin, or maybe we'll even look at it this way, the person who has the greater perspective of their sinfulness, because I think scripturally you can make this very, very clear. We're all sinners. We're all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all not reached the standard of righteousness. We're all deserving of hell. And so it's not saying, hey, listen, if you're a great sinner, then you're going to love Jesus more. It basically saying this, if you understand who you are, then you're going to love Jesus more. My own testimony is very similar to that. I have sort of both sides of the story in my own testimony because I grew up like a lot of you. I grew up Christian and my Christian experience was more genetic than it was personal because I grew up always being Christian. Yeah, I, I accepted Jesus, I believe, when I was age five and you know, said a prayer and told Jesus I wanted to be saved, needed to be saved. But I grew up always going to church, always being in a family who was ministry-minded, and I just became accustomed to the things of Christ and the things of the church. And I, I kind of was like this Pharisee, if I'm honest. I, I grew up from ages 5 to 25, not really loving the Lord with great energy and passion, but only loving him in little, you know, snippets of my time and day and and it wasn't until age 26 that a light bulb went on in my heart, in my mind, in my life. And the reason is because I got an understanding of who I was before Christ and what I actually deserved. And what I actually deserved based on my lifestyle, based on my sin that I choose to chose to do, I deserved punishment and hell and separation and condemnation. And when that happened, something changed in me. When God gave me his mercy at that time in my life, when I was aware of what I actually deserved, a light bulb went on. And it was it was something unique. It was something that I'd never experienced before. Before, I was always sort of pressured into following the Lord and guilted into following the Lord. And you need to do this, Todd. And this is what Christians do, Todd. And 
And I always did it based on those things because I didn't want to look like a bad Christian or I didn't want my parents to be disappointed in me or I didn't want to have that guilt hanging over my head. But at age 26, when God showed me the mercy, I, I sort of changed from the Pharisee Simon over to the sinful woman. And I started loving the Lord based on my heart because of what he had done for me, because of how undeserving I was. Because I knew what I actually deserved and I knew what he gave me instead, mercy and forgiveness and salvation and love. And that changed everything in me. And I represent these stories of Ruth, Gomer, the prodigal son. I represent the prostitute here in Luke chapter 7. I'm the person that didn't deserve the love of God. And I'm zealous today. I'm a person that desires, greatly desires to serve the Lord and love the Lord. I, I'm very fallible and I'm very far away from a complete, mature Christian. But I want it. And the only reason I want it is because my perspective was changed. I grew up thinking that I really didn't have much to forgive. I didn't really wasn't that bad. I God had done something for me, but it wasn't life-changing, life-altering. And then at age 26, that's exactly what it was. It was life-altering. I had looked at my sin. I had, I think God placed this mirror in front of me spiritually and said, look what you are, Todd. Look what you're doing, Todd. Look what choices you're making. They're against my law. They're against my nature. They're against what I've taught you. They're against how I created you. And I hate these sins. I hate your lifestyle. You're hurting me, Todd. And once I felt the weight of that, man, I felt like, honestly, I felt like he was going to kill me. I felt because that's what I deserved. I deserved wrath. I deserved punishment. I deserved for him to cast me away forever. And I actually expected it. Because when you believe you deserve something like a, a punishment, you kind of prep yourself to get that. And that's kind of where I was at age 26. I was, I was crushed. I was terrified. I was... Man, I was really, really scared at that time in my life because I didn't know what he was going to do to me, but I felt it was going to be something severe, something of really harsh punishment because I deserved it. But what he gave me instead was mercy, forgiveness, salvation, a second chance, and a light bulb went on. And when that happened, I became a different person. I became like the sinful woman. I wanted to serve the Lord. I asked him to serve, let me serve him. I, I said, God, give me an opportunity. Give me a platform. Just give me an area of my life that I can serve you in and I'm going to do it. I want to do this. I don't want anyone to pressure me into loving you anymore. I want to do it. There was this church in Revelation. There was the church of Ephesus and John wrote these seven letters to these seven churches. One of these churches was Ephesus. And if you know anything about the church of Ephesus, they were a good church. The Ephesians were a good church. Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians, praising them for their faith and their love and their maturity. But when John is writing to the church of Ephesus in Revelation, he's, he's saying something a little bit different. Now, he is praising them in a, in, a, in a way, and his letter is coming from the Lord. He's just basically a messenger and this is what it says to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. Again, Jesus writing and John delivering this letter to Ephesus. He says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. And he's praising them for that, saying, good job. 
Good job standing for truth. Good job at not giving in to those who are seeking to tear down truth. Good job. But he says this in verse 4. He says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You have abandoned the love you had at first. And he says in verse 5, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. He's telling a church, a good church, mostly, that they have one big stain in their life. They've lost the love. They lost the love they had at first. There's a kind of love in our, in our world that's based on romance, and then there's a kind of love that's based on sacrifice. And honestly, you can find both of those same loves in marriage. When I first got engaged to my wife, it was, it was a lot of, let's be honest, infatuation and romance and just liking each other a lot, being attracted to each other. and like, you know, it's, of, of course, there was inward love. There certainly was. But at the beginning of marriage, the love is a little bit different than marriage when you're 10 years in. Because when I, when I got engaged to my wife and I was dating my wife, I was giving her a picture that I wanted her to see. And it wasn't necessarily entirely authentic, and I don't know if that's bad or good, but that's kind of natural, that when you're dating someone and want to get engaged to someone, you're giving them a picture of what you want them to see. You're basically dressing yourself up, going, look, this is what I am. You should love me because this is what I am. And that person chooses to love them, and maybe it's the same way on the other side. Maybe Janine did that for me as well. And so we love a version of ourselves that's based on the picture that we give them. But then you actually get into marriage and some of that infatuation and romance wears off and now you become who you really are. That is a, a love that's real. When someone loves you in spite of who you really are, that's when you know that love is real. At the beginning of the marriage, you don't know that love is real, but it's it's high energy and it's it's full of vows and commitment and you know, I want to love you. I'm going to love you for the rest of your life, for the rest of my life. But when you get into marriage and things get hard and you show your partner who you really are and they still love you, that's a profound love. That's an undeserving love. And that's what my wife displays to me. She displays to me an undeserving love. And I believe the infatuation and romance is still there and I'm thankful for that. But there's a deeper love than that. There's a love based on sacrifice. There's a daily choice that my wife makes to love me in spite of knowing who I really am. Where at the beginning, I'm not sure she really knew who I really was. I gave her a picture of what I was and and she loved me. But now that she knows who I am, she, she makes the choice every single day to, to love me. And When John is writing to the church of Ephesus, he's asking them to go back to that love going... You guys are doing a bunch of things, but it's not based on love necessarily. It's based on duty and guilt and needing to and, and being pressured to. And I don't necessarily want that. What I'm looking for is I, I'm looking for love. And the only way for you to regain that is to consider who I loved when we entered into this relationship together. And that's what I want to draw out today is this idea of undeserving love because what I, at age 26, started to love the Lord, it was based on his intense, immense, profound love for me. And I have to do something, guys. I have to go back to that guy at some times and go, man, when I started to love the Lord at age 26, it was so high energy. It was so full of passion and zeal. And 
And I, I believe I still have most of that today, but sometimes I lose that. And it's sometimes I lose, lose focus of that. And it becomes about duty or my job or guilt or fear or whatever. And I'm doing some stuff for Christ, but it's not really based on love. And I'm kind of like this Pharisee. He invited Jesus over to his house and you're going, well, that's cool. You know, he must have really loved Jesus, but he invites Jesus over to his house. He doesn't anoint his head. He doesn't kiss him. He doesn't get him any water. He doesn't show him any kindness, really. He just, you know, whatever, maybe just wanted to be able to say to his friends, hey, I had that famous guy Jesus over the other day. Versus this woman who's falling apart at his feet going, Jesus, man, you forgave me. I was a prostitute. You showed intense love to me and I'm undeserving of that and I want to love you back. And it represents Ruth loving Boaz because of Boaz's undeserving love for Ruth. It it displays Gomer's eventual love to Hosea because Hosea showed her undeserving love. It represents the prodigal son loving his father because his father had shown him undeserving love when he should have gotten something much different. And the question for us today is, how are we loving the Lord, a lot or a little? A lot or a little? If, if someone was going to watch our life and see how we acted today, are we someone who is oozing love for the Lord? Or are we someone that's going based on duty, learned behavior, maybe fear? Would the Lord say to us, like he said to the church in Ephesus, go back to the love you had at first. I want there to be love. I want there to be energy. I want there to be passion behind what you do for me. Love is a choice, and it's not necessarily infatuation and romance, but if it's only duty and there's no drive behind that love, I'm not sure it is love. And the Lord has loved us at such a sinful state and he did that so that we would be impacted by that love and so we would be motivated by that love to love him in return, to glorify his name, to serve him when it's hard. And right now it's hard, it's difficult. I've been in this Christian journey for several years now and it demands choices every single day. And the Lord is asking me to, to go back, go back to the love you had at first, Todd. Go back to that energy and that passion and that zeal of that 26-year-old guy who deserved punishment and death and separation from God, but who got mercy and forgiveness and salvation instead. Remember that love. Use that love. Love me a lot today and love me because I loved you and you were undeserving. Why do some people love Jesus a lot versus why do some people love Jesus a little? Because of their perspective. And I don't know if this is a a reminder to go back to the love you had for the Lord at the beginning, or maybe this is maybe this is pricking your heart to say, have I ever loved the Lord that way? Do I love the Lord a lot, or am I loving him like a Pharisee who doesn't believe I've had a sinful life, a lot to forgive? I don't believe Jesus has done for me a great service because he has for every single one of us. And I hope that's helpful for you today. This is more of a, a plea than a teaching lesson, but I hope that helps you today because it helped me to look at this to go, man, I'm so undeserving of that love that he gave me. And it's rekindling that love that 26-year-old guy had when I was first forgiven and saved and shown mercy when I didn't deserve it. And I hope we'd all act like the sinful woman today, not in her sin, of course, but in the fact that she was so willing to worship the Lord and love the Lord because of what he had done for her, because that's what our Lord is deserving of, for the undeserving 
to love him with a lot of love because he's so deserving of that love. I hope that's a help to you. Thanks for tuning in. May the Lord receive a tremendous amount of love from us today because he has loved us greatly. Many blessings. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.